2 Kings 13. In the 23rd year of Joash, the son of Ahaziah, king of Judah, Jehoahaz, the son of Jehu, began to reign over Israel in Samaria for 17 years. He did that which was evil in Yahweh's sight and followed the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebath, with which he made Israel to sin. He didn't depart from them. Yahweh's anger burned against Israel and he delivered them into the hand of Hazael, the king of Syria, and into the hand of Ben-Hadad, the son of Hazael, continually. Jehoahaz begged Yahweh, and Yahweh listened to him, for he saw the oppression of Israel, how the king of Syria oppressed them. Yahweh gave Israel a saviour, so that they went out from under the hand of the Syrians, and the children of Israel lived in their tents as before. Nevertheless, they didn't depart from the sins of the house of Jeroboam, with which he made Israel to sin, but walked in them, and the Asherah also remained in Samaria. For he didn't leave to Jehoahaz of the people any more than fifty horsemen, and ten chariots, and ten thousand footmen. For the king of Syria destroyed them and make them like the dust in threshing. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoahaz, and all that he did, and his might, aren't they written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? Jehoahaz slept with his fathers, and they buried him in Samaria, and Joash his son reigned in his place. In the 37th year of Joash the king of Judah, Jehoash the son of Jehoahaz began to reign in Israel in Samaria for 16 years. He did that which was evil in Yahweh's sight. He didn't depart from all the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nebat, with which he made Israel to sin, but he walked in them. Now the rest of the acts of Joash and all that he did and his might with which he fought against Amaziah king of Judah Aren't they written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? Joash slept with his fathers, and Jeroboam sat on his throne. Joash was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel. Now, Elisha became sick with the illness of which he died, and Joash the king of Israel came down to him, and wept over him, and said, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. Elisha said to him, Take bow and arrows. And he took bow and arrows for himself. He said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow. And he put his hand on it. Elisha laid his hand on the king's hands. He said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. He said, Yahweh's arrow of victory, even the arrow of victory over Syria, for you will strike the Syrians in Aphek until you have consumed them. He said, Take the arrows. And he took them. He said to the king of Israel, Strike the ground. And he struck three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, You should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria until you had consumed it, whereas now you will strike Syria just three times. Elisha died and they buried him. Now the bands of Moabites invaded the land at the coming of the year. As they were burying a man, behold, they saw a band of raiders and they threw the man into Elisha's tomb as soon as the man touched Elisha's bones, he revived and stood up on his feet. Hazael, the king of Syria, oppressed Israel all the days of Jehoahaz. But Yahweh was gracious to them and had compassion on them and had respect for them because of the covenant with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and would not destroy them. And he didn't cast them from his presence as yet. Hazael, the king of Syria, died and Ben-Hadad, his son, reigned in his place. Jehoash, 
the son of Jehoahaz, took again out of the hand of Ben-Hadad, the son of Hazael, the cities, which he had taken out of the hand of Jehoahaz, his father, by war. Joash struck him three times and recovered the cities of Israel. So Elisha dies in this chapter, and he dies of an illness, and he's elderly, and he's, he's like the friend of the king, which is really, really odd. And I think part of it is, is that the, king, the kings of the north, um, it seems like all through this period of time that the Lord is like prophesying through Elisha and through Elijah a bit right at the beginning. And he's like, a lot of the prophecies that are coming are good. And you'll have noticed over the last like eight to 10 chapters that the Lord is saying, even to Ahab, he said, you will strike the Syrians, you know. And because they think that Yahweh's a god of the valleys, you will win. And so a lot of the words, not all of them, a lot of the words were good. And I think it just made Elisha appreciate it. <laughs> and um, so here we've got Elisha saying to this king. So in the start of this chapter, Jehoahaz is the 11th king of Israel. And he's the second king of the fifth dynasty. He's the son of Jehu. He doesn't last long, 17 years. During his reign, it says the Lord raised up a deliverer against the Syrians. The Syrians were attacking and attacking and attacking. And Jehoahaz lost all these towns. His territory shrunk. He got right down to 10 chariots and 10,000 soldiers only. And then it says the Lord raised up a deliverer. Everyone's trying to, all the commentators and scholars are all trying to work out who was this deliverer. I'm pretty sure it was King Adad Nirari III from Assyria. The Ninevites who attacked the Syrians and sacked the city of Damascus at this point. So at this point, Syria is still there, but they've been attacked and conquered and greatly subdued. <laughs> and so at that point, Israel had relief. So I'm pretty sure that's the deliverer that the Lord raised up. But in any case, the territory of Israel is shrinking and getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Jehoahaz dies, his son Joash, or Jehoash, becomes the, the third, the twelfth king of Israel and the third king of the fifth dynasty, the grandson of Jehu, and he becomes the king, he's the king for 16 years, and he is the one that's friendly with Elisha. And Elisha says, shoot your arrow, when he shoots, you know, you'll be given victory over the Syrians. Now remember, they were already weak at this point. Uh, and then he says, strike the ground, and he only strikes three times, and he has three great victories over the Syrians, and he takes back a few of the cities, but the territory of Israel in general is shrinking and they're losing land, particularly all the land over the other side of the Jordan is gone. And so this is, um, um, this is just a picture of when you don't walk in the ways of the Lord, you just start to, you start to shrink and you, you, you lose what the Lord had given you. And um, you know, when you walk with the Lord, you conquer and you grow and you take ground and you overcome and you, you're optimistic and there's vision and things are looking up. When you don't walk with the Lord, things don't just immediately snap and go bad, but they start to shrink and turn around. And so that's what's happening here with the whole nation of Israel gradually losing their land bit by bit by bit as it goes down. In Psalm 91 verse 1, it says, O Lord, the nations have invaded your inheritance. Now, this was a psalm that was written by Asaph in Jerusalem, and it was talking about how, you know, the, the enemies are attacking and all of this. But um, the, the law, it really was really clear to me that this psalm was about the, it was, it was about the influence of worldliness in our lives. Like, for example, in Israel, 
you could say, oh, the nations are invading the inheritance. Now, the inheritance was the land that the Lord had given to them. Remember when Joshua crossed across the Jordan River and the land was their inheritance? So this psalm says, oh, Lord, the nations have invaded your inheritance. You know, the Syrians and the Assyrians and the Moabites and all these people are gradually taking the land, invading the inheritance. But I really felt that this psalm had a bigger meaning that, you know, all around us, worldliness is creeping in in people's souls and it's taking the Lord's inheritance. And the inheritance is that which God has for you. God has things for you which you're supposed to take by faith. The promises of God, you're supposed to conquer and overcome and expand and grow. But the nations invade the inheritance. And so if you don't walk with the Lord, you find that you start to lose, your mind starts to get clouded, and you feel normal the whole entire time, but you're going backwards. So this chapter finishes with um, Elisha who's dead and he's buried in a tomb. And when he's in a tomb, Moabite raiders come into the land and they're trying to bury this guy. <laughs> and they realize that you know there's a dangerous moment so they just throw the body into the tomb. So this is probably a tomb kind of like a Jesus type of a tomb. You know, like probably like a cave cut into rocks and probably in the cave there were different clefts. So there was probably multiple spots to put different bodies. And what they used to do was leave the bodies there. The bodies would, would decay and go down until all that was left were just the bones. Then they would take the bones sometimes and they would put them in a box, a special box called an ossuary. In any case, I don't know if that's what they were doing here or whether they didn't do that practice quite in this moment or they didn't do... The, I didn't know the details for sure. I know that Israelites did do that. But in any case, the bones of Elisha are there. And as they throw the body in, it connects with the bones and... The power of the Lord brings him back alive. <laughs> and um, it's very, very interesting because Elisha was the one that asked for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. Elijah raised one person from the dead. And when Elisha was alive and in his ministry, he raised someone from the dead. But now someone else has been raised from the dead even after Elisha is dead. So he's, there's two resurrections that come from Elisha, twice that of Elijah, it's just one of those other confirmations of the double portion. It just goes to show that the Lord can work through you and that the Lord can still work through you after you're gone. So we thank you, Lord, for this story of Elisha and how you worked through him after he was gone. And we think of the work of Christ. Even though Christ is no longer physically with us, I thank you that his word brings life to our bodies every single day. I thank you that people are saved every single day, Lord, that even though Christ is no longer physically present, that the word of God conquers and raises people up day by day by day, just like this story. And I want to thank you, Lord, and I ask that you would now cause the Holy Spirit to touch our hearts in this moment. And Lord, bring us alive. Fill us afresh with your spirit that we might walk in you. Open our eyes that we might see, that we might be servants of grace to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.